nothing more than a dance. Your heart wants it all today. All of us, God, every part of us, God, we want today, God. Father, as we have sit and experienced that song, God, in that song, may our hearts and our soul worship you in spirit and truth. More than a dance. But God, a declaration that will give you all today, God. Every part of us, God, we give to you, oh God. Father, we know that that falls off of our lips so easily, God. But the real fact in giving you all of us, oh God, surrendering everything to you, oh God, is harder than how it falls off our lips. And so, God, we ask for the strength, the power, God, the determined yes in our spirit, God, that goes past lip service, that's really applied in our walk and in our living, God, that we truly will give you all of ourselves today. God, we don't want to walk away sad when you have given us so much, God. We don't want to walk away sad over that one place that we cannot give. So, God, today, God, we ask that you search our hearts. You reveal to us, God, those places that we have not yet surrendered. Help us not to be deceived, oh God, and thinking we got it all together, God. But help us, God, to hear your voice and be ready to let go. Let go. Let go. And let you have complete control of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to dismiss our children now. morning, the theme of um, the word is sad, sad. My God didn't tell me in my sad story this morning, but the theme of what God has given me this morning is sad, because most of us want to be happy, to whatever cost that it would cost us, we want to be happy. It might cost us our relationship with Jesus, but we want to be happy. It might make us do things that is against the word, but we want to be happy. Many of us would say right now, no, I wouldn't. I'm standing on the word. I'm standing on the word. And that's because there's areas in our lives that we really see that we got it. But there's areas in our lives that we still yet do not have. And that if we're not careful and if we're not allowing God to do the search on our hearts, we can be very much deceived in believing that we are there and we have arrived in, in, in giving God everything. But the thing about God is that God continues as we walk. I don't know about you, as I have walked, God has continued to expose my heart 
And especially at times when I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> especially at those times when I think I've got the word down pretty good. It seems like God comes along and he shows me something else. And I'm like, what? But he shows me something else that I'm still lacking. Do you know that be, that before we see Jesus, there's always going to be this cleansing in our lives? That God doesn't come along and he just takes everything away because, first of all, it would be very, very hard, right? If he just came and said, take that way, take that, take that away out of our lives. But God is so, so faithful and gracious that he comes into our life and he shows us little places where we might be stingy, little places where we might be too unloving, little places where I thought that I've forgiven everybody but all of a sudden I see that somebody and there's that hook in my spirit that I have to acknowledge where if I'd never seen them for years, I'd be thinking I was just the forgiver. But all of a sudden I see that person come and all of a sudden I notice inside my spirit is not free, it's not cheerful, it's not loving, it's I don't want to see them and I have to check myself, what's wrong? You're supposed to have forgiven that. But you know, out of sight, out of mind makes us feel like we got it together. But every so often, God will bring that thing back and let us know. You think, I love everybody. I love everybody. But all of a sudden, God brings somebody that has hurt us that we haven't seen for a long time. But all of a sudden, that I can't go up to them or I can't celebrate them or they're giving a testimony and I just can't celebrate with them and I have to check my heart and see oh, oh, what's wrong right there if I'm really honest I check my heart and I go what what's wrong why why can't I celebrate that or, or maybe it's something that I really, you know, thought that I've given up, you know, and, and it hasn't been around me in a, in a long time, but, but I, I'm around some people that maybe, maybe, you know, I watched, I said, I gave up cussing. I'm not cussing. I'm not cussing anymore. But you know what? Sometimes we don't watch what goes in our ears that resides in our hearts, and all of a sudden we're angry, and there comes this cuss word out, and then all of a sudden you're saying to yourself, where did that come from? Where did that come from? God keeps bringing to us that the day that we start looking at other people and, and be critical upon other people, and we, we look down on people where they're at in their salvation, and we become these judgmental, then God will come along, and he will let you all of a sudden go, why am I looking at her like that? Why am I judging her? Because God, he's constantly testing us. He's constantly testing our resolve, constantly testing our walk, because he knows our talk. We can say so many things so easily. But it's in our walk, our daily walk, that we find out. And I don't want to be sad. See, I, I want to get it together right down here, because... I don't want to be sad when I meet my maker. I don't want to be standing before my maker one day thinking I made it in. And he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And I'm like, what? I've done everything. I went to church every Sunday. I preached every third and fifth Sunday. I was here on Wednesday Bible study. I loved every. I don't want him saying, depart from me. You I think that would be the saddest thing. To think you made it. 
and you didn't make it. We're going to go to the book of Mark this, this morning. And many have heard this story, but the Lord has really been dealing with me with this story. I am, um, as, as the leaders, we have been going through the, um, the, the books of the Bible. So we started with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I'm so glad that we're doing it because it, like, opened my eyes every time I read it. It's just, it, it um, enlarges, enlarges in my life what God, things that we take for granted, we take them as stories. They're nice stories. But can I tell you, when you read the Bible, find yourself in that story. Don't make that a story way back in the Bible days. Say, how does that apply to me? And where am I in the story? We all would love to be in the story, you know, of the crucifixion. We would, we would dare say, I wouldn't be the one to say crucify Jesus. I would be the one stand. You know, we want to find ourselves as the powerful one, the anointed one, the on point one. But God says, find yourself in the story. Because when you really look in the stories of God and you really start to say, where am I? You are not always the good one. Come on. You're not always the faithful one. In fact, you can find yourself being like Peter, scared to say, I know God. Come on. In fact, you can find yourself denying God. You can find yourself uh, faithless. If you really be honest with yourself, you can find yourself in those areas that you don't really want to be. In Mark, and we're going to start in Mark, the 10th chapter. That's where we're coming from, starting at the 17th. And this story is the story of a rich, young ruler. And I just pray everybody this morning, from the, from the multimedia to Pastor Lynn, our ears and heart is open. Because God wants to tell us something, even though that we're sitting in the house. You know, I was thinking about how Paul, in the, in, when he was talking about those things that I do that I would not do, I I find myself, he wasn't talking that from a sinner's perspective. Paul was talking that from where he was, living for God, loving God, but yet he found out there's a war going on within me, and there's things that I would want to do that I don't find myself doing. He wasn't coming from this self-righteous, I got everything together. He was letting us know that you've got to really examine your life daily. Because if you don't examine your life daily, you will feel like you are on down the road in Christ when you're really stuck in a rut. So you have to every day say, Lord, where am I? Lord, where am I with you? Where am I really in you? Not where I want to be in you. We all have a want to be in him. But where am I really? And let me evaluate that and take note of that and surrender myself to you so that you can help me to be what I am supposed to be. So in this story, we find that it's about a story of a rich young ruler, <coughs> and it's in different chapters, I mean different books. It's in Luke, and it's in Matthew, and I need y'all to pray because my throat. Y'all praying with me? Here we go. Prayers of the righteous. Um, now is my amen. I pray over all this flu. So we find the story repeated in both Luke's gospel 
Matthew's Gospel and today in Mark, okay? In Mark 10:17-31. And it says as and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandment, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, I want you guys to see something. And Jesus looking at said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. In other, in other books, it says he went away very sad because he was very rich. What are you so very rich that would leave you sad? And it said that he looked at him. And he loved him. And how do we know that Jesus loved him? Because when he looked at him, he didn't just let him go with what he said. He didn't just take him at face value. But he loved him so much that he said, one thing thou lackest. One thing. One thing. I want y'all to get that. One thing. One thing can stand in the way. One thing. You know how I got all this. I can do this. I can do that. One little thing. But Jesus said, one thing. One thing thou lackest. And he tells them, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And he said, then come follow me. But it lets us know that the end of the story is, is that he went away disheartened because he had great possessions. You know, at face value today, I want us to really look at, at this. Because as far as a church would go, or as far as the question would go, can you imagine what it would be like? Here comes this rich ruler. And let's just say this prominent young man comes to the door of the church this morning. He's dressed to the teeth. We know him because in, in the community, this man, according to, to the scripture, he was actually, he was a ruler, a magistrate. Okay, so people knew of him. They knew of his position in the community. They knew he had status, and they knew he had money. So let's say that someone comes in, and you know, I don't know why I'm going to do this. I wish that um, that Brother Moss had been dressed in his uniform because that's so impressive sometimes, right? So, so when Brother Moss comes in and we find out that Brother Moss is what? The commander. The commander walks in the door of Living Faith Christian Center. 
and he walks in with all his wraps and his ribbons and he comes to the door. Not only does he come to the door, but the commander comes and he sits among us. And he sits in the seat and very impressive. Come on, let's not pretend we don't know these things. Very impressive. And we note these things that the commander is in the house. And not only does the commander come into the house, but the commander listens to the word. And not only does the commander listen to the word, we can see on his face that he's got joy about the word. And we can see the commander feels comfortable in Living Faith Christian Center. We also see that at the end of the service, the altar call is called. And, 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 and it's, you know, time for the open doors of the church and someone to come join. And who gets up but the commander? The commander joins Living Faith Christian Center. Now, we can act like it's nothing, but we, we all know at different times what we admire and look at. So the commander, we've got the commander of the base in Living Faith Christian Center. Not only would the commander of the base come to Living Faith Christian Center, but what that would be like while I was preaching, the commander of the base heard the word, and he came up to me and said, Pastor Linda, I want to know what to do to gain eternal life. And everyone in the audience would probably be like, wow, yes, the commander wants to know what to do. Oh, we'd be ready to sign him up. We'd be looking for Chantel afterwards to be in that back so we can sit down with the commander because the commander is going to join Living Faith Christian Center. We would wonder, that would be a joyful thing. How many people that will walk in and, and, and you guys, okay, so some of you are looking at me like you're crazy. Let's, let's, let's look at some of you, let the commander be single. Can I bring it home? Can I bring it home? Not everybody, but come on, that's not even, that's not even because I, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with looking at, I, I'm sure you want a man with a job. And I'm sure you want a, a man that, that um, has a, a, a show of responsibility. Come on, somewhere on that list. If you don't got a list of what kind of man, you just going to take a bum off the street? No. Okay, so let's not act all like, ah, oh, that's not me. I wouldn't know. Uh, no, we have some criteria. Do we not have some criteria? And if we're not careful, we have what God is trying to show is what, if we're not careful, we have criteria about who we want to come in the house of the Lord. You know, I've heard this over and over. You, you will attract who you are. So church, come up. Church, if you want to attract rich people, be rich. If you want to attract intelligent people, be intelligent. That's, that's, that's the saying. Now, but I'm going to show you something different this morning, okay? I'm going to show you something different this morning because there's a lot of people that say that you got to be a certain way to attract people to the house of God. And that, that, that you know, if, if we're not a certain way. But see, that's not what God is looking at, okay? And the problem is, is that we can attract what we can't even keep. In this, and I, and I want y'all to hear me because there's nothing that I'm, God wants us to get to a spiritual looking. So I could be all excited about, I can all be all excited about his position. I could be all excited about his status. 
and I'd want to sign, sign him up today to be a member of the church. But let's see what Jesus did with this impressive young man that came to Jesus. This man was young. He was a ruler. He was rich. And he asked the question above all questions, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We didn't see Jesus get all, oh, 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 oh look at what, what's come up to me. We don't see that. He was a young man with prospects, and he had a future. Again, I say we'd be tempted to be excited. We'd be tempted to hurry up and get him back to the new members thing. We'd be tempted to sign him up. But just because you have an outward show doesn't mean you have any kind of inward nose. And God says man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. And a lot of times, if we're not careful as Christians, as, as single women, whatever it is, we're looking on the outward, and we get mesmerized by the out, outward, not even knowing anything about the inward. But thank God this man, didn't, this man didn't just come up to one of us that might have been mesmerized by him, but he came up to Jesus. And Jesus did something. The first thing Jesus did, he tested him. He tested his sincerity. And he will not accept this man at face value. When you begin to study about this rich young ruler, a lot of things that we take it as it was a great thing that he did when he said to call him the master, in that day that was not something that you would call a teacher. And as you begin to look, it was, it was not uh, as honoring as we think. Okay? And that's what one thing that Jesus could look at. So look through your commentaries and do further study on that one. Okay? First of all, I want you to see the first thing Jesus did was he takes this man to the commandments. He takes him to the commandments of God. And he says, and I want you to catch something in the commandments that he gave him. He says, do not murder. He takes him to the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the man says, I've kept all of those from my youth up. But if you read the Ten Commandments, you realize there's one missing. Thou shalt, the first one, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Jesus was strategic in how he approached this young man. He gave him all those commandments except that one. And the young man said, I kept all those from my youth up. All those from my youth up. But the one that he hadn't kept was the one that Jesus really wanted him to reflect upon. Thou shalt have no, I am a jealous God, and thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And Jesus said, yes, you can say all those ones you have kept, but thou still lackest one that you have not said that you have kept. Because he had a God in, him, in his life 
and that was money. And that God, he said, thou shalt not have any other gods. And he had a God in his life, so he could not really say that I have kept all the commandments because the one commandment he couldn't keep was money. That was his God. So God, how he strategically talked to him, God always makes us begin to think about what we are saying. We can be so grandiose in how we're living, but God wants you to focus more on that point of what you're not doing than all those things that you're saying that he, that you're doing. Jesus, first of all, when he brings him to the commandment, he's saying, if you can obey these commandments, if you can obey all the commandments and obey them perfectly, then you may enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. If you can do that, you may enter the kingdom of heaven. But the point, real point was, is that he could not obey all of the commandments. No more than we can obey all of the commandments. This man thinks he can, and he thinks he's already done so. What Jesus was trying to do was he's trying to convict him of his real need of the gospel. See, this man thought, I've done everything good. I, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all, I've kept all the commandments. I've done everything good. But he had no real conviction that he needed Jesus. He felt like in and of himself, he was all right. He said, but I just really, it was more like an assurance. He had, he had put out his, what I've done. I've done this. I've done that. But just to be assured, is there anything I lack? I mean, because I feel like I've done everything. So what, what else must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus wanted him to be convicted that he needed him. You know, there's many times we can come to church, and we come to church every Sunday, and because we came up to the altar, and we come up to the altar, and we give our life to God, and we sign up on the road to be in the membership, you know, and, and we're working in the church, and, and we're putting our time in the church, and, and we're feeling like, hey, I'm pretty good. But if we really went to Jesus and we said, and most of us don't even ask Jesus, what lacketh I yet? Most of us don't even think to ask Jesus. I've done what I'm supposed to do. According to protocol, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. But we don't ask God, what lacketh I yet? What not what lacketh I to join the church? Not what lacketh I to be over women's ministry. But what lacketh I to gain eternal, eternal, eternal life after this life? What lacketh I to gain eternal life? We feel pretty good in our temporary life. In this earthly life, we feel like we got it going on. But what lack is I to gain life after this life? Because as sure as I'm standing here, we're all going to die. We're all going to meet our maker, and there is life after this life. But the problem is, is that we are so earthbound and so temporary-minded that we forget about that we're going to have an eternal home. 
And so because we're so temporary and earthbound, we're all stuck up on earth. We're all stuck up on happiness on earth. We're all stuck up on getting everything we want on earth. That we live in the temporary. Earth is short. Heaven is long. I said earth is short, but heaven is long. And we get all caught up in living for this earth that we don't stop and think about my eternal life. Now, there's some people out there today and people in the world that says, I don't even think I don't even think about heaven or hell. Once I get away from here, I'm away from here. So I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life because I don't even believe in no afterlife. You know, I think that's pretty dangerous. In my, in my heart, if there's an afterlife, I mean, even if you don't believe, you say, I don't know or I don't understand, wonder if you're wrong. Wonder if you're really wrong. Wonder if some people just feel like I die and that's it and there's no more of me. But wonder if you're really wrong. Wonder if when you die, there is an afterlife. And wonder if when you die, you stand before a maker that judges the life that you live down here, and he has a place where you'll go, whether to live with him forever or to live away from him forever. And that away from here, according to the word of God, is not somewhere you want to go. Wonder if you're wrong. Well, you know what? It, to my, it, in my, when people tell me that, okay, cool. If you die and there's no more of you and that's it, okay. But if you die and you have to stand before a maker, you need to think about that. And I'd rather err on the side, even if I'm that ignorant, I would rather err on the side that God, if there's any possible way that there's life after death, I want to live with the Lord forever. How about you? And so to do that, I'm going to have to live a certain way to be able to live with God forever. Amen? So he takes him to the commandments, first of all, and he lets him know the commandments of God. And in, no matter what this man says about how I've been obedient, no matter how obedient he has went, went it is still not enough. Because according to the Bible, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. And that we all are in need of a Savior and in need of his blood. Amen? And without his blood atonement over our lives, amen, we are not free. So no matter what he's done, he is showing Jesus as we're seeing him ask and say, I've done this and I've done that. Really, he has no idea of the arrogance that's in his heart. He has no ideal of the holiness of God because the whole, he's saying, what little thing do I lack? I've done all this, but what's the one? He has no, he has an arrogance and he has no ideal that God hates sin, okay? And you, 99 and a half, not going to do. The arrogance to say, I've done 99 and a half. The other half is not going to really matter. That's arrogance because God hates sin. And if that one half is sin, it's going to keep you out of heaven. God hates sin. Let's get that in our heart. God hates sin. And we want to say God is merciful towards sin. This is his mercy, that he would die upon a cross and shed his blood that we would not sin. That's the mercy. It's not that God is merciful to sin. God's mercy has covered sin 
through his blood. And he paid a cost for us not to have to sin. This morning say, I don't have to sin. This man had no idea of the consequences of what he was saying. And that's why Jesus said to him, sell everything as a pacific. And I want us to get that. It was a pacific commandment to this young man. Now, that's not something that God's telling us all to do. He's not saying this morning, sell everything. Because some of us could actually do it. Some of us, that wouldn't bother us. It, it wouldn't be a hindrance. It's not where our treasure lies. Our treasure is not, not in our possession. So God comes according to where your treasure lies. That's what he's going to ask you to give up, where your treasure is. Because where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And so this man's heart was in his possession. So sometimes we get the doctrine wrong where we tell everybody they got to sell everything and give up everything and give it to the poor. No, God is not. This was specific commandment to a heart who loved money more than, more than it loved God. Jesus showed him that he wasn't truly desirous to know the answer to the question, what must I do to, in, to inherit eternal life? That's why he went to the commandments of God. Thou shalt have no other idol before me. That is in the first and tenth commandment says thou shalt not be covetous of anything. He's telling this man, don't want stuff so much that you can't go to. He's already shown this man his heart. This is your heart. You love things. You love possessions. You love money. There's nothing wrong with money. It's if you make money a God, all right? Money enhances the kingdom of God. If we have money in our hands and, and we love God more than we love money, when God tells us to go share, when God goes, tells us to go bless, we will go do that because we realize that money is something that God has given us to steward over and to use for the kingdom and not just for ourselves. After he takes him to the commandments of God, he takes this young man to the character of God. And, and he wants him to know the nature of the Almighty God. So in this conversation, he brings this young man to the character of God by saying, Why do you call me good? There is none other good but God. Now, he wasn't, Jesus wasn't, of denying his goodness. That wasn't the main point of what he was doing. He was just saying that to the young man that um, no one is good but God, and, and therefore you can't assume that your goodness is going to get you into heaven. He was trying to bring him to this understanding that there is no one, you don't even have an understanding of what goodness. Who are you comparing your goodness to? And a lot of times we compare our goodness to somebody else. We compare, I'm better than, I, at least I don't cuss, or at least I don't. You're comparing your goodness, but not to the word. You're comparing it to another person where, you, where we have these levels where I feel better and stronger because you look weaker. But when we go to take and compare ourselves to the word is what we find, where we find the goodness of God. And that's our mirror right there. That's our mirror, not other people. Our mirror is the word. When I look in the word of God, if I'm lying, I'm sinning, all right? I don't care if I'm not cheating. If I'm lying, I'm going to hell just as the cheater. 
okay? I don't care if I'm not committing adultery. If I'm looking, you, you see how we put these things? I'm not committing adultery. All I did was cheat on my test at school. All sin, all sin. God says all sin and sinners will have their part in the lake of fire. All. God is not, he doesn't have categories. Sin is sin. And so God wanted this young man to say, now what are you comparing this goodness to? What do you know about good? That's what he said. What do you really know about good? There is none good but God. And if you don't know the goodness of God, you don't really know good. You're more justifying your goodness. You're, you're more looking at what you think would be good. But he needed the young man to see there is none good but God. And don't you assume for one moment that your goodness, your goodness, your, your thought of goodness is going to get you into heaven. He needed him to know that. First of all, the gospel is not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. This man kept saying, I kept, I did this and I did. It's not about you. We're not going to get into heaven and stand before the Lord and say, I did, I did, I did. Have we accepted the blood of the Lamb? That's going to be, have we accepted the blood of the Lamb? It's not on our merit. It's on his goodness. If it would be on our merit, some of us might could have died. But it was not on our merit. It was on God's goodness, all right? So that's what he's saying to uh, the young man. He said, it's not on a single act of your works, anything that you can say that you did by your works. And it's not by doing, it's by being. Some of us are walking around, we already seen the word of God when they said, didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I heal the sick? Didn't I, didn't I, didn't I do, didn't I do, didn't I do? But were you really? Were you really my child? We can do a lot of things in Jesus' name and yet not be his child. It is the name that has the power. Do you understand that? Walking in a form of godliness, but denying the... And, and the, see, then I found out, walking in a form of godliness where you can get blessed from me preaching the word and I can still go to him. Because you're receiving a relationship with Jesus Christ and all I'm doing is having a form of godliness and promoting me. God sees both. You understand that? So as you're sitting there, you can... Open your ears and open your heart to the word of God. But I could be standing up here all about me, promoting me. Look at me. And you go, and I love how was it Paul that said, lest I be a castaway, that I give you everything and I myself become a castaway because my relationship with Jesus Christ is not on. Having a form of godliness. But me myself denying the power of God. So this young man, Jesus is talking to him, and he's trying to help him see that, first of all, your obedience, your obedience has to be to God. Amen? Your doing has to be unto God. Second of all, you have to know who God is. You have to know the character of God. You can't compare yourself to anything if you don't know the character of God. He's trying to his best to bring this man to the end of himself. That's what he tried to do with all of us. Bring us to the end of ourselves. And he's telling him, 
what the answer is there's nothing you can do there's absolutely nothing you can do to inherit the kingdom the kingdom of god it says this man doesn't understand one thing he doesn't understand that he needs salvation we need salvation no matter how smart we are no matter how talented we are. I was looking around the church this morning, and we can get so mesmerized. I was looking, and we was with um, uh, Devonta the other night. And we can look at Devonta and, and, and look, and you're so talented. You're so talented. See, Kirsha, you're so beautiful. Naomi, you're so smart. But none of those things are going to be your key to inheriting the kingdom. None of those things. Devontae's talent will not get him into heaven. Oh, my God, because there's millions that's more talented than Devontae. Being honest. There's millions more beautiful than Kirsten. There is millions more smarter than We're not getting into heaven on our skills, our talents, but if we're not careful, that's what we think we're getting into heaven. If we're not careful, we think we're the draw. We're the the gifts that we have came from God. At any moment, he can take it away. I don't care what you got. At any moment, your beauty can be gone. At any moment, your smartness can be gone. At any moment, because it came from God, not of yourself, but it is not your ticket into heaven. And sometimes we are so mesmerized by people, if we're not careful, I can be so mesmerized by my grandson's talent that I forget to tell him, Devante, but there's one thing that you lack. Why? I wouldn't want to lose my grandson singing as the worship leader. I'm so glad Jesus is not my son. I don't want to tell Tish, you're beautiful, but there's one thing you lack. She might not come back to church next Sunday. I don't want to tell my daughter, you're very smart, Nene, but there's one thing thou lacks. She's my daughter, and she might get mad at me. And aren't you glad Jesus is not like that? Aren't you glad that Jesus is not like that? Jesus has not been all all this. He's not mesmerized by, by our status. He's not res, mesmerized by our beauty. He's not mesmerized by our gifts. He, because he gave it to you. He, why should he be mesmerized over something he gave you? It came from him. So he's, while everybody else is going, oh, my God, oh, my God, look, 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 look. God is saying, uh-uh, I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at the why you're here today, not how you're dressed today. I'm looking at the why you're singing, not the note you hit. I'm looking at your heart. That's what God said. I'm looking at your heart. Because it's your heart that when you stand before the Lord, it's not going to be anything about how many songs you sung. It's not going to be how pretty you looked on Sunday morning. It's not going to be any of that stuff. It's going to be, but your heart. Your heart. There's one thing that you lack. In your, you have all that together. You look polished on the outside. You look great on the outside. And everybody's looking at you, and they think you're great, and they think you're loving. And mm, 
But I went past that outward showing. And I've gone into the heart. And everybody sees you raise your hand. And they see you hit those notes. And they think you're singing for Jesus when you're really looking for the applause of men. And you could have sung, and many came to Christ when you sung. But I will still tell you, depart from me. Oh, come on, I'm talking about sad. I'm talking about, this is a sad thing, and it's a sobering thing. If we would just think about that, that I could still say to you, all the accolades you get on earth, and I was just like, and, and this, and, and my grandson knows, I love him with all my heart, so probably I use him because I know the gifts that's within him, and I know what the enemy would love to do. And I watched him, and I watched all these people say, oh, come up to us, and oh, that's your grandson? He's wonderful. Oh, I love your grandson. He can sing so well. Oh, I love your grandson. He is such a blessing to my, oh, I love, I can still have all that. Get all the accolades of man and not one crack in my heart. Because God looks at the motive. And God looks at the heart. And God wants to know that he's your God. If he said, stop playing and singing today, what would you do? What you're so very, what God, if God said, I need you to lay low. I need you to stop singing for about a month. What would you do? <laughs> what would you do if he said, I need you to get out the military today because I'm sending you to, come on, I'm sending you to, to be a missionary. What would, and some of us say, he wouldn't do that. He gave me this gift. He wouldn't, he gave that man his money. That's why the man had the money. It came from God. Every good thing comes from God. And he had the money, and God said, go sell everything. Give it to the poor and come follow me. So don't think God won't touch what he's given you. Because what he's given us has to be held so loosely that when God wants it back, we hear God. Here it is, God. I get The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's how it has to be in our hearts if we're going to say that we love God more than anything that he has given us given us so jesus takes him to the commands of god then he takes him to the character of god and then lastly he takes him to the call of god the call of god was come follow me come follow me sell everything and come follow me in our minds we're like god why you have to go that distance why come you can't just keep what he got and follow you you know, why you got to go that far? Why you got to make me give up that? What's in our life? Why you got to make me give up that? Why come I can't have that and still follow you? Because that is your God. And you can't lay it down. That's why you're saying, why come I can't still have that and still follow you? We should have a ready-to-give-it-up spirit. Okay, God, you want me to give that up? Because you are more important to me than anything, anybody. You are more, I will lay it down, God, because I don't want to lose you. But when our hearts go, I don't want to give it up, God. Do I have to give it up? Why do I have to give that up? God, I'll serve you in everything if you just don't make me give that up. Does that already let you know what you got it? And God said, thou shalt not have 
any other gods before me. The desire of God's heart is that we would be his disciples. But he's going to make sure that we want to be his disciples. If you remember in the Bible, he told some people to come follow them, follow him. And the first thing he said, well, let me, let me wait until my dad dies. That's what Esther was the man. Let me be able to bury my dad. His dad was still alive. But he said, let me go bury my dad. In essence, he was saying, let me wait till my dad dies. Let me, let, I'll, I'll do it when it's convenient. I'll do it when I take care of my business. Okay, that's how, I'll do it when I take care of my business. I'll follow you. How many of us, we are so concerned about our business that if God said, when he came up to the disciples, well, they were lucrative fishermen. And when he came up to them, they were fishing. He said, he told them to pick up your nets, come right, or put down your nets, and come and follow me. So this was their job. This was their business. And Jesus comes along. How many of us, Jesus will come along, and, and he tell us to walk away from that business and come follow me? today and they said immediately i want to have that immediate love for christ in my heart that immediately they dropped their nets and they followed him and somebody said why would he do that why is he going to take their business why is he going to take what they're good at because so he can make them better and so that he can make them what he said i'm going to make you fishers of men i have a higher call than the call that you're walking in I'm, and for all of us we need to be ready because god has a higher call than the call that we're walking in you know what you we sometimes on our jobs we think we're there to do whatever it is to ride the truck there's a higher call he says there's a high call there's a man sitting next to you that i want you to tell him about jesus when you walk into the to the restaurant to eat there's so, i'm sending you you're on assignment by me there's a higher call than the natural call when when the business are out there there's a higher call than making barbecue the call that's higher is to save people from being barbecued because they don't know Jesus. A higher call. I'm telling you, a high, and if we don't get the higher call, we'll continue in the natural call, and we will never really be following Jesus. Because to follow Jesus is about the Spirit. It's about what God wants us to do in the Spirit. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you be able to throw out the word and bring men into me. I'll be able to help you to lift me up, because if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I will teach you how to fish. God is calling us. Come follow me. And some things you're going to have to put down that you know in the natural so you can gain in the spiritual some greater knowledge. So he said, put down your nets. I know. And many times we saw that Jesus came out there and they were great fishermen. But when they got, when they got out there, they said, we've been toiling all night and we haven't caught anything. And, and these are great fishermen. But the fishermen of fishermen says, cast it out on the other side. And supernaturally, that those that they've been tolling all night long for, their nets were so full that they began to break. And God says, I want to give you a greater increase in your life. I want to bring a greaterness to your life. As you draw people, you get to see the bigness of God. As you draw men, you get to see the miracles of God. As you draw men, you get to see what God can do. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck in the place of your natural assignment that you forget that you have a spiritual assignment far greater, far greater. He says, I will make you. I will make you. How many of us are, are submitting to, to, to be made 
fishers. I mean, you know, we could have all kind of wisdom in the world, but you guys, you know, the word of God says, he that winneth souls. We go to school, we try to get all these things, and I'm not putting it down, I'm just trying to say this. We go to school, we try to get all these things, we try to get all these degrees. You know, somebody has said that when you um, get married, there is no, like, test or, or class. One of the things is supposed to last forever, but we don't have to take no tests or classes no more. It's the same way I think with Christ. We go and we study. I, when I took my nursing, I studied, had to be there taking my test. But when it comes to the things of Christ, I can miss a Sunday. I don't have to read my word today. Don't you call me and see where I was on Wednesday Bible study. That ain't none of your business. But you want to be. You want to be a disciple of God. You want to, remember, whatever you're being discipled in. Come on. I was being discipled in nursing. And when I was being discipled in nursing, if I want to put that pin on to say that I passed the nursing class, I had to come to those things that were going to give me all I needed to pass the test and to be able to administrate the nursing tools that they had given me. I couldn't stay home. I could not not do my homework. I could not do nothing because I wanted to be the nurse. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you want to be a follower? Well, to be a follower, you have to do those things that is going to help you to administrate what God needs you to do in this world. I wonder what grade we would get in discipleship of the Lord. I wanted an A. I wanted an A in nursing. In my nursing class, I had my husband help me study. I wanted an A. I would cry if I got a B. I wanted an A in that class. I wanted to pass it with high honors. I wanted to know I was at my class. I was sick at that class. Sitting right there in my class, looking in my teacher's face, sweating like a bullet, sick. But I needed to get what I needed to get that certification that I wanted. You guys, what about us in Christ? What about us in Christ? Where are we saying, I need to get what I need to be able to be certified as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are we just here there? I can get a meal here. I can skip a meal there. I can read the Bible this week. I can skip it for a month. What it really shows is our hearts toward God. That's what it really shows is our hearts toward God. I am admonishing you in this part of the sermon. I'm admonishing you. Do not let the enemy make the world greater than It is God that will get you through school. You're not getting through on your smart test. Oh, don't you dare think I'm just that smart. It is God's wisdom that is getting you. Because I had to pray to remember all them parts of the body. I had to pray for that, y'all. That didn't just come into my spirit. I had to pray for that. And God blessed me with that. Don't you guys let the elementary things of the world take over the spiritual things of God. Be just as diligent because above your, all that is assignment. When you go to school, what is that? If you want to be a teacher, a psychiatrist, that's for God. 
that's an assignment. Do you understand? They don't need no more worldly psychiatrists. They need a spiritual psychiatrist. They need a psychiatrist that's going to pray. They need a psychiatrist that's going to seek God. They need that. But if you think that you're just going to walk in there and study from your books and you're going to forget the things of God and not be participating in the things that God wants you to participate, you're just going to be a natural psychiatrist. But but what gives us the edge in every assignment is our indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what gives you the edge on your job, Juan. That's what gives you the edge, not your skill in driving. Your edge is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That as you're sitting there, and if you would open up your ears, it'll tell you what to do. It'll tell you where not to go. It, it does all that stuff. And people look at you and they'll be like, why you didn't take that road? Because the Holy Spirit told me not to take that road. Because there's an indwelling in me that's greater than my skill. You guys understand that. Can we be so... God said, what is our very? We see the rich young man, and we, most of us say, I ain't rich. I don't have great possessions, so that doesn't even touch my life. But what do you have that's so very? What do you have in your life that's so very that you would walk away sad? You know, I was praying last night, and God showed me some things in the house. And he said, some of us are so very self-sufficient that we can't lean on the sufficiency of God. And I was, went into my bathroom, and as I was going into my bathroom, the Lord said, some just won't fall. So at first I was like, we don't want to fall, Lord. We don't, we don't want to fall. <laughs> he said, they won't fall into me. They just won't let go of control. You're so very control freaked that you won't let God have control. And God says, some just won't. You know, have you ever played that exercise where they tell you to stand and there's somebody behind you and they say, just fall? I don't know. I haven't accomplished that one yet in, in humans. I'm, I'm doing my back like that and trying to stay up because there's this distrust that you just might let me bump my head. Well, the thing is, are we like that with God? We just won't fall. We won't just fall into his, trusting him and letting him have his way. And we're, we're, we're bending our spiritual bodies to try to stay up, to try to be in control. Because, God, I just don't know if you're going to let me bump my head. We're just so very about controlling our lives, controlling our everyday situations that we just can't. can't God, I love you. God, I love you. I read your word. And he goes, but one thing lacketh thou. You won't trust me. You read my word. Yes, you do. And you, and you read of the miracles and you read of, 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 of you know, how I helped this one. I bought, but you yourself, you won't trust me. You won't let go and let God. You're so very controlling. You control your home. You control your children. You control your husband. You control your employees. You, you're just controlling. You're, you're controlling people. They're so tense and they're so worried about what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And, and, and that's not controlling people. God is saying you're so very controlling that trust is not of me. It's not 
edified in your life and in your, and you're repulsing people and you're making people want to be away from you because you're trying to control their every move. So then some of us are so very self-righteous. Oh, we read about the Pharisees all the time. Not me, not me, them bad Pharisees, but that's not me. God says, oh, yes, you are. Pharisees was always trying to see somebody doing something wrong. They was always on the lookout for Jesus. What, what did he do wrong? What did them disciples do wrong? And sometimes we're so Pharisaical. And without looking at their own self. God said, we're so very critical and self-righteous, and it causes us not to see ourselves. I'm so busy trying to get the bugs off of one that I don't see there's a big lizard on my back. He said, we're so very, we're just, ooh, and it, and it stops us. What must I do to inherit? He said, you lack one thing. Stop being critical. Stop being judgmental. Look at the beam in your own eye before you try to get that, that out of your, your brother's eye, the big old plank out of your eye. Look, he said, stop being so very self-righteous. Self-righteousness is not going to get you to heaven. God-righteousness is going to get you to heaven. And God-righteousness is not judgmental. It is not critical. It is not disqualifying. We can be the most disqualifiers of people. We're looking at them. Ooh, I don't like her dress. That dress ain't right. Ooh, her hair ain't right. Ooh, she's showing her boobs. Oh, my God. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with her? What's wrong with you? Can you see what's wrong with you, saith the Lord? Can you see what's wrong with you? And most of the time, why that's that in and of itself, if you're, if you're in it to be a help to someone, that's different. But when you're in it just to be, ooh, she shouldn't have wore that today. You ain't even going to go tell her. You ain't going to tell her. You ain't going to do nothing. But you might go tell somebody else. God said that's self-righteous. A righteous spirit is a loving spirit, is a spirit that wants to see the best. And if I want to see the best and I really want to see the best for Cowie, I'm going to pull Cowie aside. I'm going to say, Cowie, that was a little low today. That We could see a little much. That was a little low today. I'm not going to go to Lehani and say, Lehani, did you catch that? Did you catch that, that, that today? And you know the men, they was having a hard time up in church looking at her. Self-righteous. Self-righteous. But on your day, you wear your booty skirt. Let me tell you, we all have had days. I don't care from the pulpit to the back door. We have all had days we didn't have on something that was right. Because even it, when I look at myself sometimes and I thought I was right, I've gotten to, I remember one time I got to church and I thought I almost died. I got to church and I bought these pants. And I was up here preaching. And when I got down about to that night, the pants were see-through. I'm so glad most of y'all don't remember. But the pants were see-through. But right then, do you understand? I mean, when I got over there, I felt, I was like, oh, my God, oh, what? And I had to go home. But the thing is, is all of us, that's why it says all have sinned and come short. All have sinned and come short. All have sinned and come short. And so God says some of us are so very critical. We're so, I don't like that. And the way they sung that. And I don't want like that. And they stay too long. And I don't, we're just so critical. You're so very critical, said the Lord. The Lord said, in everything give thanks. 
And we're so busy saying what we don't like. We don't, thank you, God, that I have a house of God to come into. Thank you, God, that the word of God is preached in my house of God. Thank you, God, that you have set me down after all my toiling and all my struggling all week long. You have set me down to encourage me, to give me words that can help me have strength for me. Thank you, God. But, mm-mm, wait a minute, I got my roast in the oven. Uh-uh, I swear, I ain't going to that church. They too long. So critical, so very. And you're going to be going, they so long, they so long, they so long. And the word that was for you is, was, was uh, escaped you while you're going, they're so, they so long, they so long. And then you walk out of here and you run into something that if you had been listening, that word would have been your very help. Come on, God, that's so very, you guys. What are we so very? Some of us, just natural things, some of us are so very cute. I'm just being honest with you. There's nothing wrong with looking good. But God says sometimes beauty is your God. <laughs> you won't put a dollar in church, but you'll pay $25 for some Maybelline eyelashes that they're going to make your eyes look long. And you're so cute. Some of us won't put $5 in here, but, but we know when we go get our hair done. Come, come on, sisters. We know that you can pay to get some dye up in this hair. And you know you can pay to get some braids up in the hair. And you'll pay in the hundreds. In the hundreds. But we're so cute. We got to be cute. I got to be looking good. Everywhere I go, I got And God said, nothing's wrong with looking good. But when you make that your God, that when God says, here's an offering that I need you to bless somebody, but you thinking about your weave next week. That's just too cute. You think about, but I got to get my nails done. That's just too cute. I need that dress more than I need to bless. Mm -mm. You got 25 dresses in your closet. Sis over there, she ain't got no shoes, but I need another dress. God said, some of us are just so very cute. We're so very cute. Cuteness can mess you up. Cuteness can make you not want to shout. Cuteness can make you not want to wave your hands. Cuteness can make you want to stand still because I'm just too cute. Or it makes you do the cute thing. Because I'm cute. I'm just being honest with you guys. God said some of us are so very cute we can't praise God. We're just so cute. We think if we come to church, our whole mindset about coming to church is how cute I can be. And sister so-and-so, she wear that cute skirt. I'm going to give me a skirt like that next week because I'm going to be cute. We're so cute that now church no longer be about worshiping God. It's about worshiping me. Who looked at me? Who saw me? Did you see how pretty I looked? Did you see my hair? Did you see my dress? Did you see my shoes? Because we're trying to be so cute. Y'all, please hear what the Lord is saying. I'm not trying to be bring. I'm trying to help you to get your blessing. Because you know what? In the old days, in the old days, you didn't worry about cute. You were so unworried about cute that the old old mothers was running around right. trying to make sure you didn't jump at, dance out right. your clothes. Because right. you wasn't worried about cute. You was worried about praising God. You wasn't worried about your booty shaking, your, your breast shaking. You was praising God. Come on, we done got too cute. We are so cute. We, we can't even let ourselves be abandoned toward David danced up out of his clothes. In worship toward God. Most of us be like, mm, 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 mm. they looking at me. They looking at me. They looking at me. He's looking at me. 
He's looking at you. And God, and David let her know that, that undignified, you think this is an undignified praise. I'll do this and more. For my God, I'll do this and more. And I'm telling you, some of us got that we're so very. He said, one thing thou lackest. I praise God. I praise God. I praise God. said, but one thing that you lack, you need to get over that beauty queen stuff. You need to let that go. And you need to abandon yourself before God. And you need to worship God. And you need to love God. Can you imagine if we just abandon ourselves up here? You know, I love, I love when Pastor, I mean, I don't know. But when Brother Moss comes up here and does his dance. And he's abandoned. It, it just shows the um, the difference in the natural. Here we're looking at a commander. And in our mindset, a commander is reserved, kind of stoic, kind of on point. But when you see him that does not let his title stop his humanity, come on, come on. I'm more than a title. I'm more than a title. This is me. And he can get up, do his little crisscross thing. That last time I said, shut up. He do it. He's up. You know what I'm saying? He don't have to do that. He can be above that. He can be too dignified for that. He can be like, I'm, what? Mm-mm, I'm not doing that. But for his God, what do we say? I will do anything. I will do anything. I will do anything for my God. I will do anything. I'm not going to let this flesh stop me. I'm not going to let my head stop me. Some of us are too intelligent. Somebody say, how can you be too intelligent? Sometimes in man's thinking, it interrupts God's thinking. So we're so man thinkers. We're so thinking as man, and God tried to come to tell us to do something, like love your enemies. Well, man thinking says, you got to be crazy. Do good to them that despitefully use you. They done used me for the last time. That's man thinking. You're too intelligent to let God's thinking reap a benefit in your life and be used by God so that God, that so that people can see God through you. No, in my flesh, I don't want to be used. And in my flesh, I, I don't want to like you because you use me. But in my spirit, I'm realizing that that shows the love of God. When I allow, and when I say, I can't, we're all, I can't, I can't, I can't, then let God do it. Let God do it. I promise, I can't love them like that. I can't forgive them like that. Let God forgive through you. Because what you're doing now, that's the greatest ambassador of all. When you let God do through you what you can't do. Because then man goes, how does she treat me like that? How can she still love me when I did that? They know that that's not a man thing. There's something greater than man that's on board, and you're pointing them to Jesus. While the rich young ruler walked away from Christ, I'm praying this morning, as we hear the word, that we will not. We will not walk away from Christ. That when Jesus calls us into any area and he asks us to make a sacrifice in any way, that we will run to him and that we will leave everything behind. Come on. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. I'll sacrifice anything. I don't care what it costs me. Because, Jesus, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. That's a good song, you guys. 
But you better know that you're going to be tested in if Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to you. We can say it, but we already know there's some things that's running pretty close second. Okay? And we need to evaluate those things. If they're just too close up to our Jesus, we need to say, wait a minute. Uh-uh. You got to back off. You got to back off. Because if God calls for you, I'm going to give you away. Because God is the best thing that ever happened in our lives. It says in the scripture, and what does it benefit us if we gain the whole world, mess around, and lose our soul? Our soul has to be more important than anything or anybody. As much as I love my husband, I know there's going to be a day that I have to answer for Brenda. And there's going to be a day it's going to be just about me and my faith. And there's going to be a day that Pastor David can't stand there with me, and he can't hold my hand, and he can't plead my case. Can you imagine that? There's so many things that Pastor David has helped me in this earth, you know, helped me in different things I've gotten myself in trouble in, and there he is. But he's not going to be able to help me on that day. On that day, it's going to be about my relationship with Jesus Christ. Young people, on that day, as much as we love mama, auntie, grandma, on that day, it's you and God. On that day, you got to give an answer for yourself. On that day, you got to stand before the Lord and say, either I loved you with my whole heart or my heart was divided. On that day, mama, as much as she, thank God, how gosh, he's going to wipe off. I couldn't even imagine it. I couldn't imagine myself in this state going to heaven and seeing one of my children hear God say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. But you know the good thing about it? When we get to heaven, it's not even going to be like that. He's going to wipe all tears from our eyes. We won't even have that emotion. We'll be just, I'm so glad I made it. I'm so glad I made it. I'm so, that's what's going to, I'm so, it won't even be, God won't even let that weight be on us that, that sissy didn't go and, well, it's, it's down here the weight is on us. But once we get to heaven, that weight's not going to be there anymore. We're just going to be so happy we're in the kingdom, amen? God is not going to let it rest on us that Uncle Joe didn't make it and, and Auntie Sue, no, I made it. I made it. I made it. I love it that it's going to be based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So everybody that you're letting stop you down here, they're not going to be able to help you up there. So you're going to have to decide right now who is first in your life. There's a song that says, and, and Devontae, I want you to come up and be ready for that song that you sent on Wednesday about I need you. Um. There's a song that says, he's not ready, he's not on his knees yet. And that's how we know when we're still standing in our pride and standing in our self-sufficiency. That's why God let him go. Do you guys realize that Jesus didn't run off after that? It said he went away sad. In my mindset, because people would be looking at the prominence of him, the richness of him, the youngness of him, and they're like, no, 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 no. We, we, we can handle that. We can work on that. We can work on that. We can work on that one thing that he lacked. Jesus did not run after that young man. We need to get a clue right here. Jesus didn't run after him because his heart wasn't ready to receive him. And a lot of times we're running after people whose hearts aren't ready to receive the Lord. And a lot of times.
sometimes we're wasting time on someone whose heart is not ready to receive the Lord. When you can go on down the road and there's somebody that's ready to receive the Lord, you're running after someone who's not ready to receive the Lord. Jesus didn't run after that young man. It said that young man went away sad. You would think that Jesus said, come back, come back. I'll just lay my hand on you and you'll get it. He didn't do that. Because he didn't want to just lay his hands on him to get him to love God with all his heart. God could do that to all of us, but he doesn't want robots. He wants us to love him from our heart. And he's not going to chase after us. He, he let him go. And when he let him go, it said he went away. And one thing that I was kind of glad about is that he did go away sad. Because some sadness can bring your heart to a place of repentance. If you let the sadness do the work. But he could have went away mad and arrogant. And who do you think you are? I asked you for one thing. I didn't ask you for all that. You know how we could do? I'm saying allow people as you are witnessing. This is a great teaching in evangelism. When people say, I want God, and they want you to be in their lives, and you come into their lives, and they're, I want God, I really want God, I really want God. They're going to bring some fruit that is evidence that they want God. If they're standing there and they're arguing with you, God said, don't even debate with people. So you don't mean debate with people. You don't have to prove God. God is. And I'll have to stand here and prove you. And when you're ready to find out God is, come back. I'll have to stand and prove and defend God. God needs no defense. He is God. And God wants us to understand that, that as we are witnessing and we're going after people, don't stay too long with the person that just wants to play around with it that wants to see how much you know or don't know, who wants to mock you and mock what you believe, God said, move on down the road. Remember what he told his disciples? He said, if you go into that house and you are not welcome at that house, he said, kick the dust off your feet and keep on moving down the road. Because remember this, one man planted. Maybe you were just there to plant a seed. One man watereth and God bringeth increase. Don't you try to be everything. You was just the planter of the seed. Keep on moving down the road because God still loves that person. And God will send somebody to water that person. And God will bring the increase. But don't get discouraged when people don't want to hear you. Don't get discouraged when they're making fun of you. You plant the seed of God. Believe in the seed of God is greater than the ignorance of men. Believe that. And keep on moving on down the road. But this morning I'm saying, don't you be so very. I don't know what you're so very in this morning. I don't know what your very is. But if your very stops you from needing God because your very makes you feel sufficient, this morning I just need you to look at that very. Because that very needs to be burned down. There's a song that Lexi sings that says, burn it all down. Burn it all down. It says, the buildings that I have raised, the status I've made, burn it all down. I need only Some of us are so very achievers. And we'll do anything to achieve. We'll lie, cheat. We'll do any, we'll sell our bodies so very. I got to get to the top. I got to have money. I got to be. I got to be. I got to be. I got to be. But the problem is you want to be you. And God said no. He said 
blood of Jesus that the I is gone because it's the Christ that's in me is who I want to give glory to. All the time, who are you trying to give glory to? Who you want people to see? You, you, you? God said, no. You want God stooped down this morning. God stooped down to make us great. I want you to fast for that. God left his mighty home in glory. His mighty divinity spiritual body. I, I, if you just begin to fathom this, God, spiritual God, creator of heaven and earth, will put on flesh, creator of heaven and earth, heaven and earth, and put himself in a womb inside of a body and be born in this world when his home is heaven. He came to earth, stooped down to lift us up. He said, I became poor that you may be rich. I became poor that you may be rich. God said, let us not get so rich that it's all about me. It's all about showing off me. It's all about somebody seeing me achieve, go higher, and and and, and I want to be, I want to be, I don't want to be nothing but what God wants me to be. And no matter what it is, no matter how high it is, I want the humility of Christ to rest in my life that all the time I'm not walking with this snooty, head up in the air spirit. But I'm walking with my hands raised and my heart raised to the God that enables me, that graces me to do whatever I need to do. Don't forget to remember where all your blessings come from. Church, don't forget to remember where all your blessings come from. Some of us are so snooty. You're so very snooty. Your countenance is snooty. Your attitude. I'm just being honest. It's what the Lord said. You're supposed to be portraying the love of Jesus Christ that draws people, that draws people to that love. Not, I ain't going to be around her. She's a skate. We say stuff. We in this church say crazy stuff from the world. And God said, you will escape. See, some of us got cleaned up and we just forgot how dirty we were. How ornery we were. How nasty we was. How arrogant we were. We done forgot. We got cleaned up. And so we look at other people and we're like, God said, oh, but if I could take you back. From the pit I pulled you out of. Sometimes you're worse than the one you're looking at. If our hearts would just be filled with gratitude of Father, you brought me a mighty, mighty long way. Oh God, I thank you. God, I thank you, God. I know if it had not been for you on my side, I would still be laying in that bed with that man. I know if it hadn't been, 
along. You got me to open my legs to everything that came along. I know if it had not been on your, uh, you in my life, I would have been a cusser, a liar, a cheater, a backer. I know it. God, please don't let me forget how far you bought me. Please don't let me forget, God, how nasty I was, how repulsive I was. Lord, I can't even imagine why you would look beyond my faults. But God, you did. So God, help me to look beyond the faults. Help me not to judge anybody. Oh, if anything, help me to walk up to somebody and say, you know what? If it wasn't for the grace of God, there go I, there go I, there go I. Honey, you all right, you all right, I love you. Because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, God caught me just in time. He caught me just in time, God. He caught us just in time. Because if it didn't come when it came, I would have surely been destroyed. I have surely been destroyed. I have surely not been in the house. He caught me just in time, you guys. God had to come. I would have been a mess, you guys. And I would have messed up many if God had came into my life. Oh, this morning with humility, you guys. Let's remember he laid his hands on us just in time. And I don't know who in here thinks that they were so good that God did not have to lay his hands on you. But let me remind you, if he was that good, he wouldn't have had to die on the cross. He would have had somebody in the earth that could live forever godly. So we all needed him. Don't let your Mary get in the way as we stand.